tonight's verses will deal with uh, with the undercurrent of of bhakti and its significance. And it's funny in preparing for class, I read the commentaries of both Baladev and Vishwanath, and there's a little bit of a of a uh, a difference in their approach. Vishwanath Chakravarti. He basically makes it clear that wherever there is wherever there is a mixture of the modes of material nature, that we cannot attribute to that the quality of pure bhakti. Anytime any activity is tinged with either the mode of goodness, passion, or ignorance on the material plane, that can't be considered uh, pure bhakti. And he gives pretty uh, extensive, in his commentary, extensive quoting of, of verses, uh, which, which I'll read some of those for you, so you'll see exactly the point that he's making. Baladev Vijabhushan, and we're talking again, we're taking off from the point of trying to understand what is this and first instruction after Krishna has told Arjuna about the nature of spiritual things and material things and how we can use our intelligence to distinguish between one and the other. Then he begins... Well, and beyond that, we need to understand activity that is spiritual. So first he begins grossly. This is material and this is spiritual. He makes it quite clear so, he, so that we can understand what is matter and what is spirit. And then let's take it to the next level. How do we understand what's spiritual activity and what is material activity? So we're going to start with verse 40. And we'll proceed from there. Neha bikrama nasosti pratyavayo navijite swapam apyasya dharmasya trayate mahato bayat. In this endeavor, there is no loss or diminution and a little advancement. On this path can protect one from the most dangerous type of fear. Majana Trimanandasya, Janajana Salakaya, Chakshun Melitanyena, Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha. I was born in the darkness of ignorance, but my spiritual master has opened my eyes with the torch light of knowledge. I offer my most respectful obeisances unto him. So, a different quality of work for, for those who take to transcendental pursuit, spiritual pursuit in life. It doesn't fall under the sway of karmic activity. Karmic activity on this plane we must be completed. You must, you must. If you want to be a uh, anything, as far as uh, this uh, this realm of existence, you must complete the project in order to get the result. Uh, you're not going to be allowed into the uh, surgical uh, theater unless you have your degree. 
attending two years of college won't get you there. But spiritual life is not like that. Uh, spiritual endeavor is is under the uh, under under the jurisdiction of a different set of rules. And it is our good fortune that the set of rules in that jurisdiction of endeavor are under the control of those agents who have the highest quality of character. And their most unique characteristic is their unfathomable compassion for those who aren't enjoying existence to the standard that they are. It's hard for us to comprehend. In this plane, those that have really are not interested in giving what they have to the have-nots. Now, of course, you'll, you can come back and say, well, come on, what about those great givers that have given uh, so much wealth? But can we really... We don't know their heart, but generally speaking, they're giving what they're giving. And of course, it's, it's based on their level of intelligence and understanding. What they're giving from the spiritualist point of view is not of great significance. Now, from the materialist point of view, we give them all credit. They can go into the those most unfortunate areas where Humanity is suffering to the nth degree due to lack of food, shelter, cleanliness, medication, employment. They can go there and they can give they can give some great charity. They can feed them, clothe them, dig wells for them, send them some doctors. And from this plane we say this is all all good. They should be applauded. Hooray for Billy Gates. Look at how much he's giving. Look at how much they're doing. Look, here's Sean Penn. My gosh, is he going to get a disease over there with all these people he's trying to help? Or George Clooney? No, they're giving a lot. We should think, my gosh, wow, they're going so much out of their way. But the spiritualist, has a different viewpoint. He's looking at that giving and he's saying, it's really not of a great significance. Why? Because it doesn't have a permanent effect. Here today and gone tomorrow. We can give some temporary effect. We can, we can cure someone of a disease. We can feed someone a meal who hasn't eaten. We can give so much of ourselves, but the spiritualist will say, but have you really solved the problem? Because the transcendentalist looks at all existence on this plane and he sees the same way 
the Supreme Lord sees everything on this plane. And how does the Supreme Lord see this plane? He tells us in Bhagavad Gita. What does he say? Abrahma Bhavana Loka. From the highest planet, Brahma Loka, to the lowest planet, all are places of misery wherein repeated birth and death take place. There is nowhere on this plane of existence and nothing we can do on this plane of existence which bears permanent fruit of any substantial value. Now what we're going to study tonight is Krishna is going to make this point very clear to Arjuna by using and bringing out the nature of Vedic knowledge and those that take to Vedic knowledge for material benefit. So truly the transcendentalists live in a, on a different level than the materialist. And even the greatest materialists, those that situated in, in the mode of goodness, those that have what we consider a great heart and a charitable disposition who go out in the world and give of themselves to help the poor and the needy. I mean, there's so many. The doctors that go to, to the most uh, obscure places and give their services free when they could be making thousands of dollars a day performing a couple of procedures. And we say and we applaud, oh, they're doing so much. But the transcendental vision is different. Let's go beyond that. <clears throat> if we're going to give something that's truly of value, let us give something that's permanent value. We can save a body, we can save the body, but if we don't save the soul, what good is it? And Prabhupada brings that out in this purport. What profiteth a man if he gains the whole world, but he loses his soul? Those great souls, their compassion is so deep that they go beyond all the charitable and compassionate understanding that we have. And they go well beyond it. And Srimad Bhagavatam is full of explanations of the depth of charity such individuals have. We've touched upon it. Let's look to the charity of, of Prahlad Maharaj. His father was doing everything within his power to kill him. Everything. And this was not a weak man. He was so powerful that all the rulers of the material universe were in fear of him. All of them. He was using all his power to kill his son. Finally, Krishna himself came and intervened. And he killed his father. And the first request out of Prahlad's mouth was, Please, can you save my father? Don't 
deter, don't damn him. Such compassion. So that compassionate plane is there. And this verse speaks to that, that source of spiritual compassion. It's coming from Krishna. No matter what we do for Krishna's sake, no matter what endeavor we make in spiritual life to bring ourselves to a higher standard of love for the Supreme, he takes that into consideration eternally. No loss, ever. It's never lost. You can forget all about what you did for Krishna, but he'll never forget what you did for him. We can fall into illusion and forget whatever endeavors we made in spiritual life, but the Supreme never forgets some little insignificant service we do for him. And that's not the way on this plane. That's not the way of material existence. So we'll go on. Those who are on this path are resolute in purpose and their aim is one. O beloved child of the Kurus, the intelligence of those who are irresolute is many-branched. Men of small knowledge are very much attached to the flowery words of the Vedas, which recommend various fruit activities for elevation to heavenly planets, result in good birth, power, and so forth. Being desirous of sense gratification and opulent life, they say there is nothing more than this. In the minds of those who are too attached to sense enjoyment and material opulence and who are bewildered by such things, the resultant determination for devotional service to the Supreme Lord does not make, take place. So these three verses, actually four verses, they all tie together. Those who are on this path are resolute in purpose, and their aim is one. So what is the aim of those on this path? What is Krishna referring to? He's referring to someone who is endeavoring for spiritual life, transcendental existence. And they only have one purpose, and that is to come to the spiritual platform. Their only purpose is to advance in their loving relationship with God. And they're determined to accomplish that. But in material existence, how many paths are there? And the nature of this plane of existence, this material world, is what? Okay. Our consciousness is very flickering, chunchula. It's always jumping from one thing to another. The intelligence of those who are irresolute is many-branched. And it also jumps from life to life. Sometimes it carries from one life to the next. We can actually see uh, some evidence of that. I'm sure you've all heard of, uh, what is it, a child prodigy? prodigy? Mm -hmm. He didn't come out of the womb and have and automatically be able to write symphonies. He worked on it, maybe for a few lifetimes. 
the yogis, we can see that. And you also see that in the lives of the spiritualists. When we come into the assembly of Krishna's devotees and we see someone take to the process and immediately they're completely free of all material. Something that we may struggle with, with the mind. One, two, three months later, they're chanting more attentively than I've been able to accomplish in 40 years. What am I doing wrong? Not doing anything wrong. It's just the fact that here's a practitioner of spiritual life and we can see practically what Krishna says in the 40th verse. Whatever they did, they didn't lose it. They may not have completed their perfection. They may be forced due to some little bit of material attachment to take birth again. But when they take back to the spiritual path, they immediately take off where they left off. So they come, they come to Krishna consciousness at 20, 22, 23, 24 years old. They'll take sannyas, never get married. They'll immediately know. It's like, how did he learn all this? How does he know? I've been studying for years. I'm, you know, 60 years old. I've been studying books for 40 years. And here's this young whippersnapper and he knows more verses and he knows the philosophy to a deeper degree than I've grasped yet. How is that? Spiritual intelligence. And he's already made so much advancement. Those that are on this path are resolute. They have that one determination. When we endeavor materially, no matter what we're trying to accomplish, it's, all, it's flickering. It changes. If we have a little bit of determination, we're able to stick with one thing long enough to make it a career. Of course, that doesn't work. It's not working quite like that now, is it? What is it? I just saw something. People change jobs every average now. is It's amazing. You know, every few years, they're lucky if they keep a job. Used to be. A few decades ago, if you were a mechanic, you probably worked as a mechanic your whole life. Now, technology and the lifestyle has changed to such an extent, people have to continually reinvent themselves just to, just to remain gainfully employed. This is speaking somewhat to that. Of course, we have the culture of Kali Yuga coming in. But still, in material existence... Our mind takes us from one thing to another, from one, from one desire to another desire. Being influenced in one way by this environment to being influenced another. We may look back upon our youth and say, I can't believe I did that. We were in a different, completely different mode. We did things we'd never do today. Krishna goes on in the 42nd and 43rd verse to point out this flickering nature and to point out a philosophy. There is a class of people. They're called uh, karma mimamsas. They believe their consciousness is such that they don't look to anything beyond activity in the field of karma. They think that beyond this, nothing else exists. Now, they may accept the direction of the Veda. And the Veda is primarily 
giving direction for karmakanda activity. So they believe in the direction of the Veda and they adhere to it with a desire to enjoy. So they follow the scriptures and the directions of the scriptures to increase their quality of life. They perform sacrifices in order to get a nice child, in order to have a nice long life, a good wife, in order at the end of life to be elevated to a higher position on a higher realm of enjoyment, the heavenly planets. Although the Vedas give a more detailed direction in that regard, we also see that in some religions of the world, their concept is to go to heaven with the whole family. We're all going to go together to heaven and live together and stay in the same family. And they promote religiosity with that objective in mind. And they don't see anything beyond that. Now the Vedas deal a lot with that, those kind of activities. And it's a good jumping off point for people in that mentality. They may not yet have developed enough spiritual intelligence to see beyond this plane of enjoyment. But if they take to the religious directives, the injunctions of the law books of mankind, the Veda, if they take to those directions in life, then it's a step in the right direction. Because if they see that the prescriptions in the Vedas are factual, then their faith in scripture will be enhanced. And eventually, they will be able to understand the more subtle points of spiritual existence. Now, devotees were not so much interested in karmakanda. And we'll see that here, Krishna is going to instruct Arjuna, your position is such that karma is necessary at your stage right now. But let's do niskarma karma yoga. Niskarma. No, no lust involved. Niskarma karma yoga. Perform your activity without any desire for personal benefit. No comma involved. Comma, lust. So without lust for your enjoyment, do your work. Niskarma karma yoga. So in order to take Arjuna to that understanding, he first points out the consciousness of those who work desiring the fruits of their labor. And what is their consciousness? Well, first of all, their consciousness is not one-pointed. It's very flickering. It goes from one to the other. <coughs> and how does he refer to them in the 42nd verse? They have small knowledge. And they're attached to the flowery words of the Vedas. But the commentaries make, commentators make a very interesting point. Those flowers offered in the Vedas of karmic activity, karmakanda section, are poisonous. Why? Because they keep us wrapped up in material existence. So when we talk about this section of the Vedas, the flowery words of the Vedas, which recommend various fruitive activities for elevation to heavenly planets, result in good birth, power, and so forth, 
Being desirous of sense gratification and opulent life, they say that there is nothing more than this. They can't see beyond it. They have no spiritual intelligence, but they can follow the laws. And that's good for them. If you really want to be a rich man, you'll see that generally speaking, although the thieves may come into money from time to time from their nefarious activities, they're not truly wealthy. It's not the nature of being a thief. It's an interesting point in that regard. If you deal in counterfeit money, it truly has no value. So a thief, he may steal money, but if he gives that money in charity, it's not going to give, us a, give him a pious result. It doesn't have substance to it. Similarly, people may go through life and attain some material benefit without following the directions of Scripture, without following those higher directives. They may attain some temporary pleasure, but it doesn't have a true lasting effect. Of course, nothing in the material plane has any lasting effect. But at least someone that has gained things by following religious scripture, those have a much more permanent effect. They're more substantial. They're situated in a better position, relatively speaking. But we need to remember from the transcendentalist point of view, they're still in the relative world. And what is the result of such intelligence, which is only directed to sense gratification, even if it's directed properly on the direction of the Vedas? Text 44. What's the, what, is, what is the result? Bogaswarya prasaktanam, tayaprahrita chetasam, vyavasayatmikabuddhi, samadal nanavijite. In the minds of those who are too attached to sense enjoyment and material opulence and who are bewildered by such things, the resolute determination for devotional service to the Supreme Lord does not take place. Now it's interesting we remember in this regard, Vyasudeva had compiled all the Vedic literature for the benefit of mankind. He had compiled all the Vedas. He completed the job. He was requested by higher authority to write down all the knowledge that had been passed down from sages and saints of yore because in this age of mankind, the brains are so weak that they can't remember things. So they need to keep going back to the book, read it again and again. In prior ages, people had a little sharper brain. They didn't need to have the books around. If they heard it once, they remembered it. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> but we don't have that benefit. So he wrote it all down. And after he completed writing down the Vedas, he was discontent. His heart was not satisfied. We find that for the spiritualists, the true transcendentalists, whenever they, they're put into a quandary because of their sincere heart, immediately the Lord sends or comes himself and gives direction. Vyasadeva's spiritual master arrived, Narada Muni. And he said, we've done a great job. You've written down all the Vedas. 
applauds to you. It's very nice. But you're discontent because you didn't take the essence of the Vedas, the heart of the Vedas. You didn't take the essence, which is true spiritual enlightenment and realization. Give it the foremost position that it deserves for the true benefit of humanity. You've given them all the rules and regulations. You've told them all the karma conda that they can do in order to elevate themselves and have every benefit that they could possibly want on this material plane. But you haven't told them about their spiritual life. If you want to be satisfied in your job, go beyond just those prescriptions that you've given for material enjoyment and tell them about spiritual enjoyment. Tell them about the true essence, the nectar that is their rightful inheritance on the transcendental plane. Vyasadeva took it to heart, and what did he give humanity? Srimad Bhagavatam, yes. May I ask a question? You certainly can. I was under the impression or understanding that Vyasadeva was a literary incarnation of Krishna. Mm Mm-hmm. How does that... I don't understand why then Narada Muni coming to him and telling him what you just said, how that works, if he was already, I think he was already perfect. Mm. Can you tell me why? Krishna, when he came, Mm -hmm. his father sent both he and Balaram off to the ashram of a guru to take instruction. He's God. Does he need to take instruction? All these great saints and sages, and even Krishna himself, they conduct their affairs on this plane in order to what? Give us instruction. So if Krishna needs a guru, well, we know he doesn't need a guru, but he shows us how to live perfectly. So similarly, Vyasudeva, the little literary incarnation who is empowered by Krishna to compile to write down all the Vedas, he also teaches by example. And our word for that is what? Acharya. Acharya. They're teaching by their example. The Vedas deal mainly with the subject of the three modes of material nature. Mainly deal with the three modes. O Arjuna, become transcendental to these three modes. Be free from all dualities and from all anxieties for gain and safety, and be established in the self. We'll go on from there next week. But, what does Krishna say at the end of Bhagavad Gita? Surrender, Surrender, and that's what it sounds like here. Because if we're not concerned for our safety, we must really trust Krishna. (laughs) But what does he say in relationship to it? 1866, Sarva Dharmam, but what what don't you need because you have my protection yes the Vedas mainly give us the codes of religious conduct same thing he's here in the beginning of Bhagavad Gita the theme is being first presented and it will be brought home through the whole text and will become the concluding statement. Otherwise, you become bewildered. Here's God telling you to give up religion. But what religion? 
In this plane, when we talk of religion, we generally talk of business. Business dealings. For what? Material Material enjoyment. Material gain. Any questions? Comments? Yes. Uh, I just wanted to comment when you were talking about the rich giving to the giving their, their wealth. Mm-hmm. I read not too long ago that, as a matter of fact, those people who give their millions are giving but fractions of their millions. I think the most they give like is maybe two percent. I think Bill Gates is going to try to give away everything he said. <laughs> well, his everything. His, his, yes, he will be. You know. And look at how many years. Look at how many years he's going to be able to enjoy in heaven for that giving. Yeah. I mean, charity is a great way for for gaining interest into the heavenly planets. It's a great way. You, he could live there for what? Millions of years. <laughs> Yes, sir. So, uh, in the verse 44, it said that uh, those who have this, you know, attachment for enjoying, they don't develop resolute determination for devotional service. So, how they progress in their spiritual, on their spiritual path? It sounds to me like they stuck. You know, they, 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 like we heard from the previous verse that, you know, the, the, all those instructions are like poisonous mm-hmm. because you develop, you know, more attachment and you don't want to give them up. But later on, uh, you know, how you, how you are going further from there. Ah, can I find what Vishwana says? He, 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 he lays it out perfectly if I can find exactly what it says. Um, it's probably Baladev, I'm sorry. All right, let me just paraphrase since I can't find the exact quote. But in following the prescriptions of the Vedas, we gain faith, I touched upon. We gain faith in the process that, wow, Scripture works. And... It also rises the practitioner gradually to the mode of goodness because they're following directions of the scriptures. In other words, they're be, being a, in, in our society, we consider what? Being a good citizen. They follow the law, they pay their taxes, and they enjoy comfortably in society without fear of unnecessary what do we want to say? Unnecessary chastisement from authorities. So this following of the Vedic directions gives them a better situation. And the Acharyas have said, the commentators have said, and by that they can begin to understand beyond the karma Kanda section to the Upasana, Upanishads. They can go beyond that to the end of the Vedas where that knowledge of spiritual nature is given. Because they developed a faith in the literature. And from that then 
they, they are open for another instruction. Yeah, and the other, the other thing is, by following, the, by getting all the pious benefits and following the, the injunctions of the Vedas, there's every chance, like we discussed last week, that what? In, unbeknownst to them, inadvertently, they're going to somehow or other do something good for Krishna's devotees. I'll give you an example. In Dwarka, Krishna's children were out playing one day in the forest. They came across a well. And inside the well, they saw a big lizard. They did, they, and they did everything they could. They couldn't get the lizard out of the well. So they immediately, like any child, well, there's a big lizard. They went to Papa. They went to Krishna. He said, please come. We, we found this big lizard. He's stuck in a well. Can you help us? Need, need to get him out of the well. Krishna went. And he immediately reached down to pull out the lizard. And immediately upon touching the lizard... It turned into a beautiful demigod, beautiful being who immediately bowed down to Krishna and said, thank you. <laughs> Krishna said, how did you get it? What happened? What did you do to get put in the well? He said, well, I was very charitable. I was so charitably disposed to people. I gave away tens and hundreds of thousands of cows to the Brahmins. I really like to give charity. In fact, you probably know me. My name's Nriga. My name's Nriga. If you know anything of charitable people, people, you've heard of me. <laughs> but one day I gave a cow, a, thousands of cows, hundreds of cows to one Brahmin. One of them left that group of cows that I gave to the Brahmin and, and, and made his way back into my stables of cows. And when I gave another set of cows to another Brahmin, I accidentally gave that same cow to somebody else. And when the two Brahmins found out about it, they both were upset. I offered to give them thousands of cows in exchange for the one cow that I accidentally gave. <laughs> I couldn't pacify them and I was cursed and that's why I'm here. The Acharyas point out in this story Nriga had at one point given charity to Krishna's devotee. And because of that charity, that one charitable act, although he was only interested in karmakanda, in his life, he wasn't aware of Krishna and he wasn't interested in, even if he was aware, he was not interested in pursuing spiritual life. But just in giving charity to Krishna's devotee, he actually met Krishna. And anytime any of us are so fortunate as to meet Krishna face to face, 
we'll lose all interest in material <laughs> affairs. Does that answer your question? So it's fun when it's like a question and goes to a heavenly planet when they came up the body. Mm -hmm. uh, will they encounter Vedic personages there? Like well, of course, up there everybody's, yes. We encourage them, follow your religion. Divination. So, uh, does this refer to any kind of service, like a Geta Sukriti and everything, or, or just to, to. Yeah, any kind of service. Yeah. Ajnata Sukriti is spiritual activity, so it's anything spiritual has a permanent effect. So it doesn't. But it builds up. It builds yeah. up to the point. Okay. So, the, the, you know, moreover, my question is that it doesn't need to be pure service if we do even if we do for some period of time or just like once or whatever you know but uh, but it has any contact any with, with devotional service is only pure it's yeah, not touched by the modes of material nature our motive may be tainted because of our involvement but the, the service is pure service is never everything in devotional service is on the topmost place Thank you very much. Hare Krishna.